So I think that we are built, we are literally built at the level of our brain to be able to perceive and engage the guidance in and through synchronicity as part of a deeper relationship with God or whatever one's word may be. So as a scientist, I've for 20 plus years studied this innate human capacity. Every single one of us is gifted the day we're born. And as we look through the MRI machine, we see that there is literally a set of circuits in the brain that every one of us can engage by choice through which we know that we are loved and held, guided, and never alone. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of Going Out Looking In, the podcast about the big questions of life, personal growth and spirituality. My name's Maxi, I'm your host and I want to say thank you. Thank you to each and every one of you who attended last weekend's live podcast recording with Vince Schaffin in this very room where I'm sitting in right now. For all of you very attentive listeners and especially viewers of the show, you might notice that the room behind me looks still a little bit different and that is because of the live event. And I'm still very much sort of going back and trying to wrap my head around what actually happened here. So much healing, so much presence, so much conversation around those deep topics and those important things that we are talking about here especially my guests are sharing here and I'm so proud of what we together have built I just remember like a couple of months ago you know I was going out with this little podcast recorder and I was sharing from the heart going out looking in sharing from the inside what is live within me and now to have like a room full of people showing up engaging so authentically and sharing what's present for them what they want to know what they're working on just wow so thank you so much i'm deeply inspired i'm deeply inspired and also motivated to keep doing what i'm doing here and to keep pushing and to keep improving and to keep finding ways and opportunities for us to connect really to connect and to exchange because this is such an enriching spiral which elevates this whole podcast to a whole different di dimension something that i as a simple like an like a soul individual i cannot I can only do so much, but, you know, together we can do so much more and amazing things. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And now we just keep going. I mean, just like more amazing things coming. And this upcoming conversation today is just one of them. And what an opportunity. Wow. I'm so excited to speak to Lisa Miller, Dr. Lisa Miller today. 
Now, Lisa is so many things. First and foremost, she's an amazing human being. And that shines through everything that she does, honestly. I mean, I listened to countless interviews and stuff like that in the preparation for this podcast. And I'm just really moved by how honest and authentic and vulnerable she is with everything that she does while at the same time doing so many incredible things in her professional career and now i have my list here and i'm walking you guys through it because it's just simply incredible so dr lisa miller she is a new york times best-selling author of her book the spiritual child she's also the author of her new book the Awakened Brain, which we talked about very thoroughly also in this interview. She's a professor in the clinical psychology program at the Teachers College of Columbia University. She's the founder and director of the Spirituality Mind Body Institute, which is the first Ivy League graduate program and research institute in spirituality and psychology. How amazing is that? She has over a decade of joint appointments in the Department of Psychiatry at Columbia University, University Medical School, and her research has been published in more than 100 peer-reviewed articles in all of the leading journals of the scientific landscape. And that is just, just an excerpt of, of Lisa's uh, Vita. And so I'm very, very humbled and grateful that she decided to join the podcast and we explored so many interesting and inspiring topics. One of them being synchronicity. You know I love some synchronicity. So we went deep into how we can live and flow with synchronicity through life, be guided by it. We talked about Lisa's very personal and professional journey, which was also guided by synchronicity. We talked about the scientific evidence for spirituality in our brain. Amazing, really amazing. So it's everything but woo-woo. This is science, just amazing. We talked about the effects of a spiritual connection on our lives, on our health, on our healing, on all aspects of our human experience. We talked about cultivating and really developing a nourishing relationship between the heart and the mind and how we can really have those two beautiful components work together. We also did actually two exercises, so get ready for that. We talked a lot about her book, The Awakened Brain. We talked about the importance of community. We talked about the power of love and the power of surrendering to this beautiful flow of life. So I'm very proud of this one. Very excited to share it with you. I want to say a massive thank you also to Lisa to coming on. And with all that being said, sit back, enjoy. Namaste.
So, Lisa, it's an absolute honor to welcome you uh, to the show, going out, looking in. You know, this is really like a full circle moment for me again. Behind me, the room, a lot of work has been done over the last couple of days here. A lot of healing work, beautiful conversations. Now sitting down, talking to you. Another such like oh, beautiful like opportunity um, to talk about, you know, the big questions of life, spirituality, and the very unique standpoint and, and, and experience that you bring to this topic, which is very different from the people that I talk to on this podcast. And so I'm very honored. I'm excited. I'm grateful to have you on. Thank Lopsy, you. I'm so delighted to connect with you and share in conversation. And thank you for helping to create a place of learning, of opening, of awakening, and really walking the walk. I think that where we are in our culture right now is a renaissance. We've come out of a mm. plague and we're ready for a renewal. And you're helping to shepherd that through your own being and words and through convening and teaching and hosting people as they awaken in their own path. So thank you. Oh, so nice. Yeah, thank you. I also got to say, uh, we briefly talked about it, like it's really for me also something that I I don't see the topic always in the center of like, you know, I don't want to talk only around a subject, but also like talk to the person behind it. And for you, that was also something in the preparation for the podcast with you came up again and again, just like how much of like personal wisdom and how much you also walk the talk you know because like you have been guided by synchronicities along your way as well and that is um so beautiful so maybe just as to warm up a little bit i would love to um explore a little bit like your experience and your journey with synchronicity and maybe connect the connections between um the synchronistic and the and the divine um, guidance that you have experienced with your career path and your uh, everything that you know led, led, led you to write books like The Awakened Brain. So Maxie, I share in The Awakened Brain that for five years, my husband and I were struggling to start a family and it, there was no medical explanation. You know, we were both checked out by doctors. There was no reason why we were not conceiving. But time after time, you know, we so dearly wanted to become parents. We were in our 30s, and no child was conceived. And we, you know, we'd take a vacation. We'd go to the Caribbean. <clears throat> no baby. We'd go to Sedona, spiritual places. No baby. And it started to dawn on me almost um, sort of like a haunting, creepy feeling up from behind, just sort of almost this unspeakable, oh, no, what if we, we can't conceive? And that was very, very depressing for myself and even more so for my husband. I mean, there was a time where in the middle of the night, I, I looked over and I didn't see him and he'd rolled down onto the floor and he was lying there, arms out. And I'm like, honey, are you okay? And he says, our lives are hollow and meaningless without children. So nothing else mattered. You know, we had the jobs we wanted. We had the friends that we adored. Nothing else mattered. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. We then started paying attention. We started paying attention to the really remarkable 
synchronicities that showed up in our path. And one of them was after about 11 in vitros, my husband in very sweet, loyal, in solidarity is lying on bed rest next to me. And this is after having been to the team that I'd researched and researched and discovered had even invented in vitro using sea urchin. I mean, couldn't get mm -hmm. a better doctor. There we were, and I just had this terrible, creepy feeling that somehow, despite really finding the best docs, we were chasing this in the wrong direction. Something was off. And I couldn't put my finger on what, but I knew that somehow I was in the wrong office for what we were seeking, which was parenthood. Sure enough, mm -hmm. lying there on bed rest, in a, you know, treated ourselves in this kind of bleak moment. We treated ourselves to a very nice hotel. I click the remote to watch the telly. What comes on but one station? And we're like, oh, we don't want to watch this. And so my husband clicks it, but it won't move. And he sort of bangs it on the bedstand. There is one show, and it is for four hours, an interminably painful interview. Pans to a little boy living in a garbage dump. Through the translator, this little orphan says... I don't care that I live here in this trash dump. I don't care that I can't go to school. But it hurts so much to not be loved that I sniff glue to make the pain go away. And I thought, you know, we have been chasing in vitros. We have been researching the best docs. And my husband looked at me to be the one to say it at first. There is a child out there for us. And once we got the picture through this synchronicity, through this stuck, interminable, four-hour, painful documentary, we started to shift our awareness and start thinking, wait a minute, what is parenting really? Is it that the child has, you know, my husband's good looks and, you know, my humor? <laughs> or is it that the child you know, is one in deepest love and commitment bonded to our heart? And that was a real shift. Mm. Uh, and from that came more synchronicities. So for instance, I'm, you know, starting to think, wow, there is a child out there for us. And I, I'm on a bus, I'm traveling down Broadway on my way to Columbia. And this gentleman gets on, you know, I'm, I'm still quite depressed for this failed in vitro. This gentleman gets mm -hmm. on the bus and I'm hoping because I'm not feeling so hot that he's not going to sit near me. <laughs> he walks past the first 10 open seats. He walks by the next 10 open seats and plops down immediately next to me. And this is how synchronicities roll. They are often irritating at first. They're a perturbation of how we planned to conduct from mm -hmm. command control. And he was an unusual gentleman. He leaned way over into my face and said, hey lady, you look like just that type of real nice lady that would go all around the world adopting kids. And got off at the next bus stop I haven't seen him since. No one's ever said that on a bus or subway or anywhere else, the plane before. So that is the type of extraordinary confluence that is far too unprobabilistic to have happened by chance. Far, I mean, I've ridden, you know, gone up to Columbia 10 years before that, 20 years since, ne never. And I almost wonder, you know, how were how we brought together? You know, and... How how was it that he went one stop on a bus? No one goes one stop on a bus. You walk a stop on the bus. He was perfectly, you know, abled. Um, and so 
it only makes sense to think of synchronicity as emanating from, if you will, a very knowing guiding source, a luck mm -hmm. guiding source. And we're all agents, if you will, like rays from the sun of this great source, who I call God. My word is God, but people have different words. You know, universe, spirit, mm -hmm. some say Jesus or Hashem, Allah. But what I've seen is that the synchronicities, when we listen and pay attention, are guidance that not only, you know, it's not like a symbolic guidance that we would read in a book or see in a painting. It is a living symbol, a synchronicity. It's a, it is a moment of relationship into which we say, yes, pay attention if we choose. And then if we walk on that guided path, it is almost like a wormhole between universes. We have an entirely different field of life before us. I mean, literally, who turns around the corner the next moment changes. So it is outside of our mechanistic narrow control. Life, you know, life's about 2% control. We can choose if we brush our teeth, we can choose if we push the elevator by the, but we have no say in who's on the elevator if it comes in 10 seconds or 10 minutes. You know, 2%, we can do a little. But what that 2% can be is a deep, dynamic, really dance with who I call God, the universe. You know, what are you showing me now? And if I say yes, wow, what on earth is going to come around the corner? Mm. Wow, so beautiful and so, so like strong and like you, you just cannot not see it then and at the same time what i wanted to ask as a follow-up is basically do you like what is your experience with because you you said at the beginning you started you and your husband you started opening up like you something shifted um and so it's it goes along the lines of because i i love bible teachings uh and so like let those with ears hear and with isc and Me. so do you have the feeling like inside of you um this is it this is like um a necessity to be sort of like receptive and open um to the synchronicities or are they like happening all the time with us noticing so i think that we are built we are literally built at the level of our brain to be able to perceive and engage the guidance in and through synchronicity as part of a deeper relationship with God or whatever one's word may be. So as a scientist, mm -hmm. I've for 20 plus years studied this innate human capacity. Every single one of us is gifted the day we're born. And as we look through the MRI machine, we see that there is literally a set of circuits in the brain that every one of us can engage by choice through which we know that we are loved and held, guided, and never alone. So the synchronicity, the guidance, is part of the deep living dynamic relationship with God and our neuro seat, our neuro docking station, if you will, of this transcendent relationship is seen in people, whether we are Christian, Hindu, Catholic, Jewish, Muslim, Jain, spiritual, but not religious, whatever faith tradition or spiritual and not religious, we all have this docking station. What it is, it's, if I might, 
Yeah, yeah, yes, please. Uh, three three major components, and the first is just as we were loved and held as tiny children by our parent or grandparent, we know that we are loved and held. We feel that, and the bonding network comes up online. We feel that we are not alone. The parietal that puts in and out hard boundaries that lets me know that I'm at this GPS coordinate and you're at the other GPS coordinate at the same time releases boundaries and we're part of one brotherhood and sisterhood, one family of life, one sacred field of life or living consciousness. And third, the guidance with the synchronicity. We go to your appointment, see, from a very narrow down, I've got to have it. I've got to get that baby. I, I really want that job. I want that new apartment. I want him, her, them to say yes. Gotta have it, gotta have it. Top down dorsal to bottom up ventral attention network. And the world is re-illuminated. And many people say that new direction, the synchronicity, the guy on the bus, the child, in the documentary on poverty, that experience pops. Loved and held, never alone, and we are guided. That's how we're built. And when we engage that seat of neuroperception, life unfolds in an exponentially more glorious way. And that doesn't mean we get what we want. In fact, we are so fortunate mm. to not get what we want because what we want is outdated the second we want it. What we want is based on today's information all the way back. It's a historical sort of estimate of what we think we want. Mm -hmm. But the catch and the catcher's myth of a synchronicity, the deep felt guidance and loving direction of God, that has information that has yet to unfold. Certainly God has all that information, but our understanding of that information has yet to unfold. May we do a practice? Yeah, Beautiful. Of course. Beautiful. Thank you, Maxie. This is about a two-minute practice. I'm going to invite you to just close your eyes, clear out your inner space. I invite you to think of a time where you wanted something so badly. It could have been a job. It could have been a partner, it could have been admission to a school or promotion, an internship. You wanted something so bad and you planned for it. A plus B plus C, you did your research. It was yours, that red door. You reached for the handle, but it was stuck and it made no sense. It didn't calculate because you had done A plus B plus C and you were shocked. You may have been angry, maybe a time depressed, kicked the door. But only because that door was stuck. You had no choice. You turned 40, 120 degrees. 170 over there was a wide open, radiant yellow door. You may not have known of yellow doors or thought they even existed, never thought of yellow door, but it was wide open. You crossed the yellow door to a landscape that was more right for you. You met someone who made you feel alive. You took a job that you didn't realize could make you feel so at home. You did not get what you wanted. You got something better than what you wanted and certainly more bright for you. As you think about that stuck red door and the hairpin turn 
leading to the wide open yellow door that has everything to do with who you are and where you are today. Was there anyone at that hairpin turn? It could have been someone who for three minutes told you a story at the coffee shop or a party. Or it could have been a dear friend or grandparent who told you something they'd never shared before. Your trail angel gave you guidance, information pointed in the direction of that yellow door. And as you think about the stuck red door, the hairpin turn, the trail angel, and the wide open yellow door that has everything to do with who you are and where you are today, how really are the most important dimensions of our lives realized? How does life unfold on big matters? Are we narrowly makers of our path, command control, or do yes, we need planning and, and strategy, but ever greater, are we actually discoverers of our journey? And stepping now finally way back, in your road of life, where is God? Where is your higher power? Whatever word and you, however you know, your higher power. Is God in the open yellow door and the stuck red door? Is God in the trail angel and your open heart to be in dialogue and ask, what now is life showing me? What God are you revealing to me now? Where are you taking me? Have you perhaps been on a spiritual path all along? And when you're ready, I invite you back. Hmm. Ah. Woo. <laughs> wow, I went. That took me back to uh, to an amazing time. So powerful. Um, it's really what you said. Um, it's not what we, it's often not what we want or what we imagined based on the retrospect data of, of the very limited input that we have given the mind. That's how, and I would love to also maybe a little bit talk about that with you. Um, I wrote down like the relationship between you know, the mind and the heart and how that is when it comes to spirituality might be important because for me, that is so, um, like Michael Singer is my, is it my teacher, like with the untethered soul and the surrender experiment, which is talking a lot about, you know, letting go and surrendering to the flow of life and being guided by those synchronicities. And so when I was just like now going on the journey with you, and you guided me through it, I was just reminded of a time when I was, I want, really wanted to check out. I really wanted to go completely off grid. I wanted to live in a Zen monastery and I wanted to just live there. That was my intention. Um, and I went there and then life turned completely upside down. I got to know my former boss there who is living there part, partly. So um, she's going back and forth. And then out of that grew a very uh, like 
an incredible like work relationship then and I didn't end up going basically to the monastery to live there but I went back and forth to work there with her and so I didn't get what I wanted in sort of my head but I got something other and different but still amazing um, and so yeah like uh, along the lines with what you said and with what what I love about also Michael Singer's teachings is also that when you look at like the experiences that have been sort of like put into us you can only rely on the data that has been consumed you know which is in my case 29 years of life experience and just based on the tiny little bit of the universe that was basically taking place in front of me which is minuscule it's just like what is that like in in relation to the grand scheme of things i don't know anything <laughs> however my mind tells me i know a lot you know i've read 20 books on spirituality and so now you know i i know what's the right way and the right path for me and then like yeah life is just unfolding in ways where now also really sharing from 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 the heart for me right now i'm going through a like situation with my partner right now so we are after seven beautiful years of a beautiful relationship decided decided to go a different way and turn this romantic partnership into a loving friendship and so as i'm going through that right now i am already sort of for the first time in my life trying to not in hindsight look at it and go ah yeah okay maxi um, that was good for something and I can see it now but as I'm going through I want to embrace yeah. it you know as I'm going through I want to say I am right now guided already and so uh, that was all of that was coming up when you <laughs> when you were guiding me through that um, that's so uh, yeah. generous and beautiful because as you share we are all emanations of the sun we are all beings of God Right. And so relationships are inherently spiritual events at every point. We come together, they have a beginning, a middle, an end of sorts, right? And then opening mm -hmm. into their presence in our lives going forward from there. So to treat your going your own ways as friends with the same love and the same open heart and the same engagement with spirit as finding each other is truly a sacred act. Right? It is absolutely moving and beautiful that each piece of the relationship. I think far too often in post-industrial global culture, we handle things relationally, but we don't engage at the deeper sacred level. And everything, every moment in a relationship is both interpersonal and spiritual. Those relationships are every moment a spiritual event. Um, and that includes, you know, the little ones. If I lose my cool at a coffee shop, I should go back and apologize to the guy. And it includes the big ones, you know, our coming together and going our separate ways, our having children or not having children, our, you know, all this um, is actually foundationally a spiritual journey. And we're all, we are all trail angels. So I, I, I honor as I witness your testimony to a sacred way of engaging relationships was what danger in this movement is that it becomes solipsistic that it's introspective navel that it's all about my great experiences and then i come home and say oh you're not as enlightened as me 
And that's not what you're doing. You are saying we are on a soul's path and this is part of our journey right now with such respect and I vow. Thank you. Um, that means a lot uh, coming from you as well. Wow. Yeah. I. To be honest, like I, I wouldn't even be... I often said now as I'm navigating this, I'm thinking and I'm feeling, wow, where would I be right now if I hadn't done this work as well and like just going through that and, and, and experiencing what I've experienced because it just helps me so much. And I, I guess it's a perfect segue into something that I wanted to talk with you about anyway, which is yeah, applies yeah. to all people who are going their separate ways after a relationship. So I had an aunt who got divorced and there's a script. There is a 20th century outdated script that to separate, you need to tear each other to shreds. That divorce is somehow about a legal, right? Um, dismembering of one mm -hmm. another. Yeah. It's destruction. It's it's painful. What my aunt, the Buddhist nun, she became a Buddhist nun, did on exiting mm. was in, they were so frustrated in in her case and so aggravated. And instead of tear each other apart and say, you know, you know, you never pulled your oar, and you know, you're so short tempered and self centered, and instead of you, know, you, you couldn't laugh and you know all these things, they said, let's yell at each other what we really appreciated. Let's take all that energy. Let's take all those feelings and say. You know, I really appreciated that you would man the fort while I was out traveling. And I really appreciated that you were kind to our neighbors, even when they were difficult. And I really appreciated that you have a funny sense of humor, even when I'm dour. And they left in the best that they could, making each other more, not less. Right? What is our footprint? And I'm not talking about the trash that we recycled or not. What is our spiritual footprint? Yeah, it includes environmental, of course, but to each other. Yeah. What wow. you're doing, this is, what is our footprint? What is our spiritual footprint? And you're honoring your partner. And it sounds like your partner's honoring you. And this was a season. And seven years is often seven, eight years a season. And a season of growth mm -hmm. and a season of discovery and a, you know, a season of sacred emergence. And thank you. Thank you so much. And I think even a high school girl and boy, young girl and boy, can do that on breaking up. They could have gone out a month and said, you know what? I'm so glad that you were my 10th grade boyfriend. This was a great year. And I'm so happy that you are a part of my whole life memory of 10th grade. Right? We can part on a big thank you and what was great and make each other more. That's a script. It's so easy to shift. It's so easy to shift if we see the possibility. And I think you're living and breathing that out in a very significant way for the community. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying my best. Um, but yeah, I also, I have to say that I think um, I, it's a big thing that helps me is to have developed this sort of relationship to my mind and to my ego yeah which is a very conversational, um, playful sort of uh, dance because like it has a lot to say about this, a lot. Like it has a lot to say about it and most of it, it's not so nice things. 
um, and what kind of stuff like that I should be feeling and doing right now. Um, and so if I was to give in to this, um, things, I guess, would not be as harmonious as they are right now. Um, and so I guess if I would, if I, if I put it in a question is like, how do you think, how can we develop this sort of like loving relationship to, to the voice inside of our head or the ego or however you want to call it? And who are we really, right? In your sharing of this very human experience is a deep seat of being from which you share that is deeper than the, mm. well, why don't we say the impish machinations of the head, right? So, <laughs> um, there's a show I respect so much, Valerian Merkuliov. He is the last living shaman of the Aleutian Islands. So off the coast of Alaska are some very, very tiny islands that continue on for miles called the Aleutian Islands. He's the last of his line. He comes and speaks for us at times at the Spirituality Body wow. Institute. And he says with such clarity in post-industrial culture, Western culture, we've got it turned upside down. We have the head guiding our way and then implementing the sentiments of the heart. I, you know, I want this, I want to go there, I want more money, I want to be more famous, I want to have a bigger apartment, I want, you know, I want to be able to X, Y, and Z, and the heart becomes full of craving and envy or endless on a treadmill ambition, right? <clears throat> we could take the same apparatus with a head and a heart and turn it around and let the heart guide us. The heart feels, I feel God's presence pulling me in a new direction. I love you as brother, as sister. My heart says every bit of life is abundant with love. And therefore, the heart guides the head. How will I care for you, my partner, my brother, my friend? The heart guides the head. How will I take care of this earth in my job as a scientist, as a media voice as a culture maker. So when the heart guides our direction and points to the star where we are headed, then the mind can build that rocket ship. The mind can be strategic because it is strategic towards a highest cause. And I don't mean a higher cause. I mean the highest cause, God's direction for us. It is tactically working to realize God's direction as told through our heart. That's an entirely different way of being, and it is immediately available to every one of us. That is where we are going as a culture in our new renaissance. Last 200 years was head pushing heart, and now it is time for heart pushing head. And leaders such as yourselves and contributors and communities built such as that which you're helping to foster are exactly the sort of new forest that's going to populate our world. Mm. Oh, that's so beautiful and hopeful. And I have 
discovered that all throughout this preparation for the podcast and with other conversations you had and i love that so much that you really emphasis uh, put an emphasis on that sort of community aspect and how important that is for Lessons. us as individuals to be able to grow and to nurture something that is like this becoming this whole movement and also for me really this is really helping me also to visualize because like i'm still in this sort of phase of and many people that i'm speaking to are in this sort of like discovery between um the dance of the heart and the mind and with you writing a book called the awakened brain and having me having conversations around it with people it was also like why did she choose brain interesting um, with something like spiritually where many people straight go to the heart or to like this area instead of this one. And so we had like a lot of conversations around this dance. How, what's the relationship between the two? And I think that was so also for me, like I'm learning right now a lot and it makes perfect sense because I also don't want to make enemies with my mind. I want to use it in an aligned way to bring awesome stuff into the world i mean look what we can do with the mind great things right <laughs> so, well, it's an important yeah. point because the there are passive circuits and regions of the brain that when engaged um go hand in hand with the deep felt awareness of the heart so that felt experience of the heart that deep certain knowing of love and guidance that deep profound intuition that is in the wisest deep inner part of ourselves has a neural correlate there is a neuro docking station for that so both the heart and the brain as we know and feel this truth have a neuro docking station in the apparatus the brain so i think it's very very important mm -hmm. in our, our movement to clarify that the mind is experienced as part of you know the neuro docking station in the brain and the heart is experienced as part of the neurodocking station in the brain. The brain is sort of the incarnate material <clears throat> landing pad for these experiences. So I am not a biological reductionist. I don't think, as was often assumed in the 20th century, that the brain somehow like an assembly line makes packages of thoughts. You know, I don't get it confused with an auto plant or a refrigerator manufacturer. The brain is not a place only of production although it can produce, the brain is also a place of reception and sacred contemplative practices, prayer, have a neurodocking station. The knowing of the heart has a neurodocking station, which is receptive of sacred consciousness, if you might say spirit. So quieting the brain is wonderful, getting present is wonderful, so that we might then cross the threshold to receive, like a catch in the catcher's mitt, inspiration, guidance, a symbolic message, a voice of an ancestor, a voice from God. So this is our birthright, that we are both creators in a sense, but we are really both receivers to then live out and give and care as directed. It is an extraordinary gift with which we've been endowed to live out and realize a sacred universe. Incredible gift. Actually, Sometimes, you know, it's interesting, Maxie, people will say, that sounds mm -hmm. great. How do you do that? And there is a practice, if, if I might share one more practice. Is that 
Yes, of course. I always thank the teacher who gave me this practice, the late Dr. Gary Weaver, who gave this practice to me and I've given it forward and for you to use in your own journey and share and share. Okay. This is a 90 second practice and it has to do with opening the pipeline to a direct lived relationship, a transcendent relationship, opening the capacity for receptive embrace of transcendent guidance. Mm. I'll invite you to close your eyes. It'll clear out your inner space, five breaths. I invite you in your inner chamber to set before you a table. This is your table and to your table, you may invite anyone living or deceased who truly has your best interest in mind. Anyone living or deceased who truly has your best interest in mind. And with them all sitting there, ask them if they love you. And now you may in invite your higher self, the part of you that is so much more than anything you may have or not have, anything you've done or not done, your true eternal higher self. and ask you if you love you. And now finally, you may embrace your higher power. Invite your higher power, whatever word is yours. And ask your higher power if they love you. And now with all of those people sitting here right now, what do they need to share? What do you need to know? What do they need to tell you now? And when you're ready, I'll invite you back. Mm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's so clear, isn't it? It's so clear, isn't it? And this birthright every no one can ever take this away no amount of trauma or loss or false messengers nothing can take this away 
This is our birthright. This is our innate awakened brain, the neurodocking station for deep transcendent relationship. The love of our ancestors, those who truly have our best interests in mind, God, and who we really are. Who we really are. Hmm. I actually, um, the, the, for me, the boy was present that you were talking about earlier. And I was asking myself, um, like I was feeling love for him. And I was asking myself if he, how this practice might look for him if he was to close his eyes to sit down and, and connect and how I'm, and then also you know by have said that how important it is that we have practices so that we can feel that we are loved and that we are connected and that we are not alone and that we are enough And as you said so beautifully, Maxie, walking the walk of that knowing so that your higher self speaks to the higher self of fellow sisters and brothers and that their higher selves feel that love and shift. We can go into the coffee shop. We can go into our jobs knowing that we arrive as higher selves and speak to that deeper being behind the eyes, behind the clothes, behind the mistakes to the higher self of our colleagues, our families, our partners. And those are deep, deep relationships. That's relational spirituality. And it applies to the homeless gentleman stuck in a terrible situation. And it applies to the person making mistakes in government. It applies to everybody. So that deep relational spirituality, love of neighbor, actually engages the same neurodocking station, the awakened brain, as when we talk to God, when we feel God's presence in our love for one another. That's mm. where we're headed, to your point of both knowing and then living in relationship, community, a renewed society, our higher selves, our higher society. Wow, so beautiful. How would you describe your own experience with m d having those experiences? And with you, I mean, it's it's so obvious that you are living from that place. It's not something that you know you've read in a book. Like you, you are that. So, how how does this connection play out for you in everyday life? Each day, I might have a rough sketch of you know two or three things that are planned for the day, and maybe all of them happen or half of them happen or none of them happen, right? And if they all happen, I don't know how they'll be lived and filled out, who will show up, what we'll talk about, what will be discovered. So I view every living moment, every day, every moment as a quest. I don't know what's going to happen. And I certainly don't want it to be based on historical information, what I want, right? Every day is a quest. And so I don't know what will come. But I know there's deep mm. connection available to every one of us that I feel most of the time in relationship to God and guidance. Now, I'm a human like everyone else, and I make mistakes, and I can feel when I'm not in that lift-open relationship. I can feel when on my part 
I'm dropping my end of the rope, you know, and it feels scraggly and it feels disconnected and I'm quick to anger and things are other people's fault, right? So I, I know when I've let go of, of the hand of this dynamic lived relationship. And I, for me, in my path, I go outdoors, irrespective of the season, and I pray. And in, in my words, my prayers often sound like, dear loving God, please may I return to you. Please open my heart that I might be present to you in your great love. And then I'm reconnected and I go back. And of course, everything looks different and it literally is different. Not only because, yes, we're more polite and all that, but we've re-entered the sacred world. Yeah. Now, I'm putting on the glasses of someone who is maybe a little bit less versed in, in those experiences, mm -hmm. who, are, who is longing totally. for it, you know, like who is longing for connection, who is longing for a deeper purpose. Um, and so I can imagine potentially, or this is also a question for you, um, in, your, in the environment that you're in academically, How do you connect to um, individuals who are on a completely different sort of s point of the spectrum when it comes to spiritual awareness? And how, yeah, how do you how do you navigate this? And how how do you start a conversation with those kind of uh, people? So we are all built with this deep innate capacity for relational spirituality for one another and as we feel deep relationship to God or our higher power. And whether or not, well, if we look at science, we know that if we're all born with this, we look at a twin study, right? Twins raised together, twins raised apart. How heritable, mm -hmm. how inborn is this universal capacity? It is all of ours. By the time we're 30, it is one third innate, two thirds environmentally cultivated. So our practices, our prayers, our right action to kunalam service, all weigh in our spiritual communities, whether they are sangha, minion, fellowship, journey group, all weigh in to shape the spiritual core every day. And as you know, we grow up from being teenagers to going in the world, we select our environment, our outer environment with whom we share our journey and our inner environment how we engage within our deep inner being. So to your question, when I'm in a setting that is not necessarily um, expressive of our deep, common, awakened awareness, my goal, at times my challenge, my life's work to some extent, is to maintain the deep seat of awakened awareness, to be in relationship with God in all types of situations. And whether or not, and to try to be a source of love, whether or not at the moment I'm feeling particularly loved back. Now, that does not mean put myself in danger. I'm like the first person when something feels bad, get out of the room. You know, if something's dangerous, you're right. That's your inner wisdom. But to hold a, be a source through which God, like a fountain, works every one of us. And where in my, it very often, it's funny, in my early years at Columbia, there were profoundly spiritual gentlemen. 
who worked in the parking facility where I'd bring my car first thing in the morning. And that was like a fellowship, a faith community, a song of these beautiful gentlemen. They loved their families. You could feel the love and the numinousness in and between us. And then I'd go into work and it was a variable experience, but my goal was to hold being that source of love and to enjoy and relish and embrace and foster in one another moments where it can be deeply shared. Yeah. And may, yeah. maybe that's part of the teaching. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's, it's not about the time we spend on the meditation pillow. It's also around like what, what happens when we get up, what happens when we engage in the world. I so much, I so much resonate with that. Like it's all because I, I feel that too. I, I feel the age of Aquarius. I feel really like a big shift in consciousness in, 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 in like on a global scale. I, I feel it. I see it. Um, okay, I might be also in a, in a sort of a bubble of people who are really like vibrant, vibrating on a um, similar frequency. But, um, and that's all. And what I want to say is that it, 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 it comes along with some sort of like spiritual bypassing as well or like the 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 um the potential for that you know because it is so easy to light up some candles and um say i'm spiritual um you are uh, i guess we all are but then at the same time you know not in, not not bringing this to the world not bringing this into relationships but really letting our lower self sort of like engage with us and with other people and then therefore really ah yeah conflicts are arising and stuff and We're so take um, into the public square whether that is the classroom or the boardroom or the media platform the spiritual torch shines and when you bring your deep deep spiritual open heart your authentic voice of spiritual awareness your lived outward practice of spiritual values others feel enlivened and resonant to do the same. So I would actually say it's incredibly important. It's beyond words. It is so important to walk into places where it may not be the norm to voice spiritual mm -hmm. transcendent language or share a practice and offer it open-handedly because if you don't, it may not happen. It is not yet perhaps spiritually ignited in voice, in practice, in values. That means the work needs to be done. So that doesn't mean, oh, they're the, you know, unenlightened people who live in darkness. No, that means that they are built to be spiritual beings too. As we come out of an ice age, a hundred year ice age of silencing of our deep spiritual voice. And when you speak truthfully, You enliven and empower all those around you in the media, in the paper, in the boardroom to do the same. I've had that experience. I've had that experience for places like um, an investment house will have me come in and I'll share some of these practices. Mm -hmm. And there are tears in the eyes of the vice president and their top investors. I'm not getting paid for this. I, 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 you know, this is about awakening. And all that is seen and done by those leaders to their families, to their employees, will shift into the field of sacred consciousness. We are all beacons of exponentiating, probably a function more powerful than that, illumination when God 
works through us and we are humble and just show up and speak. If you don't speak, it may never be said. If you don't walk the walk and bring in the torch, what if that space is never illuminated and the hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who are touched by that exponentiating wave will be enlivened if you walk and speak the truth. Mm. Wow, so beautiful. Um, yeah, I could, I could really talk to you for so, so much more uh, and, and around so much more, um, trying to be really respectful of your time. I have um, three a little bit shorter questions um, toward the end. Um, and one of them um, is because we, we've touched on it a couple of times, but just to, just to turn people on to um, your experience and what you've shared already in, in, in Awakened Brain, like what, what can we expect for people who haven't read it and why should they get on it? How, how does it, what does it do? The Awakened Brain is built for your path. It is shared not only through the language of science, it is also shared through the language of lived spiritual journey, complete with the struggles and the shut red doors and the moments of incredible pain. It shows us that every one of us is actually buoyed up by this great force, this wave of life, and that we are here for each other. You are loved, you are held, you are guided, and you are never alone. I want you to flourish in the glory of your true spiritual path. Beautiful. I've already um, been paid. Not making money if you buy the book. <laughs> I really want you yeah. to have the opera. I want you to have the most glorious life. Yeah, it's coming from the heart, and people people can tell. Like I, it's it's we're speaking through a screen, but like it's arriving. Um, what are you proud of? Oh wow. Um, if I may, I guess. I didn't do the work. God did the work. I'm proud I got out of the way and that I have three children who live in relationship to God, whatever their words may be. And they have their own words. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Even like with everything that you shared in the beginning, it's even more powerful. Wow. Um, and when was the last time you did something courageous? Ooh, I love that question. Um, I think of courage actually as uh, awareness of the buoyancy that we are being carried, that we are being guided. So I guess that every day um, is an act of total free fall surrender into God's arms, into the guidance of what comes today. As I said, I don't know where today will go, mm -hmm. but what is sure and steady is a deep stance of quest and a certain relationship, a transcendent relationship with who I call God, your higher power. Thank you so much. Thank you. Speak, uh, speaking with me today. It's such an honor and a joy. And thank you for being a wellspring, a source through which God work. Mm. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate you deeply. Thank you.